We'll be coming out of uh, 1 Kings, the 6th chapter. We're going to deal with verse 1 through 9. And the other day when we began this series, we began it by talking about the preparation. We began it by talking about the preparation to the temple. And one thing I think that we should remember out of that more pertinent than anything else is that there's this spirit of purity and there's this spirit of peacefulness and we stand right in the middle of it and in order for it to commune and congregate with each other to get the temple built, we have to be in agreement to allow. In other words, we've got to get self out the way. Because self, how many of y'all know self are interfere with stuff? You know, we've got to learn to tell self, no self, not this time. And the only way that we can do that is stay committed to God. You know, I made a vow to God and it's committed. It's a committed vow, you know. And when it becomes conscious, you know, it works better. Your life works better. Your life will work better when you make a conscious commitment to God. It's got to be conscious. Because if it's not conscious, what happens is you get all these other things always trying to protrude and intrude on us. But see, that commitment will raise a standard up in us and say, no, you made a vow to God. That's what they, I'm serious. That, it's like smoking. I used to smoke cigarettes. And man, the, all, I had, all you got to do to stop smoking cigarettes is remember you don't smoke no more. All you got to do to remember doing anything is remember you just don't do it no more. You made a decision not to do it no more, you know. But you got to remember the decisions that we make. You see, we make things complicated within ourselves when they really don't need to be that complicated. The only time it becomes complicated is when self gets in the way. How many of y'all know that's true? Right? Amen. You know, self will mess us up. It will. Self will mess us up. God wants us to allow him to build this temple. And the preparation that's involved in it is agreeing to allow purity and peace to come together in union and do a work for God. As far as the description, which is the second phase of this, as far as it's concerned, the description of the temple means that how does things supposed to look? The blueprint of it. How is it supposed to look? So if we don't have a blueprint of it, then how do we know what it's supposed to look like? You know what I mean? You ever tried to build something and you didn't have no idea, you know, what you was building? Everything has a schematical blueprint to it. So the description of this temple, we're going to go into some stuff here tonight, and I advise you to really, really, really open your ears up in your spirit realm to understand that, hey, you know, there's it's something to this. really something to this. So there are some points that I want us to look at prior to getting into the scripture. There are some points that I want us to look at about the description of the temple and what it's supposed to look like. One thing that it's supposed to look like is the spirit of peace must be reigning in agreement with us. I want you to go to Hebrews 12, verse 14, where it says, Follow peace and holiness with all men. 
For without it, no man shall see the Lord. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 14. Are we there? Amen. Follow peace with all men and holiness. The terrible step. So, this description is when we look at one another, we should be able to see the spirit of peace reigning in agreement with us. Peace. If, if there is no peace, there's a problem with the building of God's temple in us. Now, we are that temple. We do remember that, right? The Bible tells us that we need to follow peace and holiness with all men so that because without it, Nobody's going to see the law. The Bible says that the peace, the peace, the peacemakers, they should be called the sons of God. That's in uh, Matthew 5, 9, I think. The second thing that we must understand about the description of the temple when we see each other is that we must see sacrifices being made. And God's glory has to be clearly seen. You know, if God, in order for God's glory to be seen in us, there, are, there has to be sacrifices made. And one of the biggest things that's hard for the Christians, I, dare not, I, I can't call us saints yet, we haven't reached that level yet of sainthood. We haven't reached that level. But on our road to it, we're going to have to understand that as God's glory, His weight, comes upon us, many, many, many hard sacrifices are going to have to be made. And one of the reasons why we can't see the temple being built effectively is because of our inability to make the sacrifices that's necessary to be made. The third thing that describes this temple is the way we talk. Our speech, our talk, is to be tied to the anointed word of God. Our speech is not to be tied to familiar spirits. Y'all remember the familiar spirits, those are the vain babblers, they, 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 they talk nonsense. They don't add nothing to you, you know. They don't do no edification for you. It's idle talk. Our speech, the Bible talks about how we ought to allow our conversation to be a godly conversation at all times. The fourth thing that's necessary is that we have to be single life. The Bible tells us about having a single life. We'll deal with that a little later. We must be single-eyed. In other words, we must be pinpoint and focused on what God wants us to do. That's another problem we have. With the Christian walk. We're not focused in like we need to be. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We pick up the torch, we put the torch down, we pick up the torch, we put the torch down. But God is trying to bring all of us to a point where we can pick this thing up and keep it. And keep it lit and keep it running. Amen? amen? It ain't gonna hurt you to say amen. amen. It ain't gonna hurt you. The next thing is we have to ask ourselves which chamber or bed 
are we resting in? I'm going to show you that in the scripture. The word of God tells us in Psalms 37, 7, that if you rest, it tells us to rest in the Lord. Let's go there. Let's see the fullness of what he's saying in the scripture. Psalms 37, verse 7. It says, rest in the Lord. And that's hard for some of us to do. Hard for all of us to do at certain times in our lives. Amen. But this thing is raining too much in some of us, this restlessness. It says, and wait patiently for him. And then look what he throws in here, because evidently this has something to do with our inability to be patient. It says, fret not thyself, because of him who prospers in his way. So evidently, <laughs> when we, our eyes start roaming, so remember, single eyes, remember that, focus in. See, when that eye start roaming, it's something else, we start seeing things, and what it does, it causes us to become unrestless. You, you know, you know, you know, Nehemiah said, look here, we're on the wall and we ain't coming down. In other words, they had their eyes open, they, had their, they, they were working with the trial in one hand, and they had their hand on their sword in the other. That's what they were doing, and they were building that wall. And he told Sanballat, Sanballat means sin that's in activity. See, sin that's in activity, it always wants us to come down off that temple, that temple wall. It wants to take you down off it, bring you down to its level. But Nehemiah said, look here. We're on the wall, and we ain't coming down. We just ain't coming down. You know, we ain't coming. So uh, you, you, you might have gone somewhere else. Because we are not coming down. You'll find that in Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah. This word says here that we're not to fret ourselves when we see others prosper. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. You see, a lot of times, it's, the Bible just told us we need to wait patiently. We need to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. But see, sometimes it causes us to get restless when we start seeing the prosperity of the wicked. I recall, I think it was Asaph or one of the psalmists saying, Look, my feet almost slipped and I was well nigh. I, I, I well nigh slipped. Because I was, began to look at the prosperity of the wicked. But then I was reminded, when was I reminded of the mistake that I was making? He said, when I went into the house of the Lord, Amen. he heard a word and put him back. He said, look here, man. He said, like, man, I, my feet were almost gone and I was well not slipped. In other words, man, I was about to mess up real bad. Until I came back to the house of the Lord. And it was there that God showed me, he said, that man, the wicked is, the prosperity of the wicked is walking on slippery grass. So that's another thing for us to consider in this description. Which bed are we resting in? We're going to deal with that in a minute. Well, you'll understand it. What type of thoughts are we building this temple with? Remember the other night we talked about iron and clay mixed in? Remember that? 
Trying to build this temple with iron and clay. In other words, trying to build this temple with the spirit and the world. It won't work. It won't work. We're defeated from the start when we do it that way. So we got to understand and deal with what kind of thoughts are we dealing with when we're building this temple. Remember I was talking about commitment, a conscious commitment, remembering what you said to God. Because that's the only way we're going to continue to build this temple with the right thoughts. Is that we have a conscious understanding on what we have vowed to God. Because that thing that we told God we was going to do, guess what? It's still right there on the chalkboard and God looking at it. You said it. It's still there. Another thing that, where is the door to your soul positions? Ask yourself that question. We're going to deal with that too tonight. And another thing that we're going to deal with tonight is the spiritual entity of the temple is hidden. The spiritual entity of the temple is hidden. Is here. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.16, I think, tells us that we're not to know no man by the flesh, but by the spirit. Because we once knew Jesus by the flesh, but we don't know him like that no more. See, because he's a resurrected spirit now. You see? So we're not to know one another by the flesh. Don't you know that the flesh, looking at a man in the flesh, will cause a stumbling block for you? It will. That's why the Bible says, no, you got to get to the point where you can see through God's eyes, and by seeing through God's eyes, through his word, you can see the God in it. No, no man by the flesh. Look, it's in the word, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. No, no man by the flesh. Because as long as that's far as you can see, Human being in their flesh, you'll never be able to see what God is doing as far as building the temple inside. And the Bible says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, and don't judge nothing before it's time. That's the word of God. Let's dissect this word here in verse 6, chapter 6, 1 Kings, chapter 6. It says, and it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt. In the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziph, which is the second month, and he began to build the house of the Lord. When did he begin to build the house of the Lord? How many years after they came out of Egypt? How many? I can't hear Four hundred and eighty years. I'm glad the angels aren't deaf. If the angels were deaf, they wouldn't be able to hear us. Don't be scared to speak the spoken word. That's what saves us. If it's there, speak it. That's what gives you power. That's the power of the anointing. Not the written word, but the spoken word. You got to speak that thing. Open your mouth. I keep telling y'all that. Open it. And it came to pass 
480, when you count it, it comes up to 12. 12 is the divine purpose of God in man. It is God's divine purpose in man that he bring him out of Egypt, the world. That's why he sent his son, eh? In the fourth year, which is a total season with peace. In the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, when we're in total peace with ourselves, you are not going to come out that world unless you ready for the peace of God who surpasses all understanding, including our understanding to want the things of the world. The building of the temple takes us higher. It places our affections on things above. It gives us a mission. It gives us a ministry. It gives us a vision that goes beyond Building the things in this world to building the things that are eternal in God. Because I say it once again, there is a God who's waiting to call us home. We'll have to face him one, one day. Our temple will have to be fitted for the man child. This reign, this total reign, this total peace has to be in a covenant of faith. You see here the month of Ziv, which is the second month. Always talks about the second, second always, number two always talks about a covenant. The month deals with our faith. Our faith has to be in covenant agreement with the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Everything about God is a covenant. Everything we enter into God with is a covenant. That's why he tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes, don't hang no quick vows with your mouth. Don't do that. When you make a vow with God, pay up quick. It's right there in the book of Ecclesiastes. You look it up, it'll tell us. Because it's a dangerous thing for us to make a promise to God and then not be in covenant with that vow that we make. Because it's still on the board the vow that you made. God sees it. It comes up before him all the time. Every time he looks into our soul, he sees the vow that we made. So we've got to understand that until peace begins to reign within us, there's no way that this building can begin to be built. So as I said before, the spirit of peace must be reigning in agreement with us. That's why Hebrews 12, 14 tells us, let peace follow you with all men and holiness, for without it no man shall see the Lord. And then there's verse 2 here, where it says, I'm talking about the description. We have to see peace in each other of us. And the house which King Solomon built, for who? Oh. Which house we are, right? 
And peace is building it, right? The peace of God is what's building it. Because only the peacemakers shall be called the sons of God. They're the only ones. Well, this house which King Solomon built for the Lord. Let's look at Matthew 5, 9. Matthew 5, verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So I told you, King Solomon is peacefulness, the peace of God. The Bible says here, blessed are the peacemakers. It's the one, that spirit of peace, that's the one that builds God's house. Now look at the length of it. The length was three Score cubits. Three score. The number of man. Six. Three score means sixty. Six plus zero equals six. It's the number of men. But three means resurrection. So it's the resurrected man. Did you hear me? You see the number? You see what you see what the number is saying to you? Do you understand the number? Three score. Three means resurrection. Okay? Y'all got that? Three score means 60. Count 60. Six plus zero equals six. So we're talking about when you put the three and the nine, you're coming up with a man that's resurrected. Okay? You got it? See, that thing opens up. A mystery to you. Now you can say, if you want to, that... Well, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand these numbers, but you've got to work at it. That's what we're here for. Because that's how you go into the deeper area of the mystery, through the numbers. The numbers aren't there just to be there. You can skate over the numbers if you want to and think it's not important, but I beg you differ. If it's in this book, it's important. I do beg you differ. Now watch this. The length thereof was three score cubits. We're dealing with the resurrected man here. Because after all, we're talking about the description of the temple, which temple we are, right? So it's talking about what's in man, right? It's talking about man, the interests of man. So look at Romans 12, verse 1. This is what the resurrected man is called to do. It says, I beseech ye by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. For this is your reasonable service. Okay? Now you can't think, if you're not catching it now, you sure enough ain't going to catch it as this thing going down in here. But guess what? We got CDs. <laughs> We got a CD. You are not going to stay up under me and stay in sixth grade. Amen. So ain't no need you looking crazy with me. You're not going to stay up under me. You're not going to get teachings under me and, 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 and stay in sixth grade. That's a no-no. We're going to build this thing. We're going to build this thing in the kingdom way. Well, I don't understand it. Get the CD and study. CD's free. You ain't got to buy a lot, buy you one. 
There's no excuse. Only thing it takes is some time and some passion toward God to know what God is saying. And when that thing link on you, then things will start, you'll see power. Things will start happening more greater in your life. It's a spiritual thing. And then there is the breadth thereof was 20 cubits. 20 comes out to be a 2. We'll talk about a covenant here. Breath means holiness. Look at 1 Peter 1.16. 1 Peter 1.16. The Bible said, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Does that sound like a covenant to you? If God is holy, he's saying you need to be holy too, and I need to be holy too, and everybody you talk says they're about me need to be holy too. Y'all see it there? So there's a covenant there. Didn't I tell you it was, the breath means holiness, and the breath thereof was 20 cubits. There's a covenant. He wants us to have a covenant. See, once we are resurrected and we allow ourselves to be a living sacrifice to God, in that raising up, he expects us as a living sacrifice to him to also be in covenant with his holiness. And see, that's what he's telling us here as far as the breath is 20 cubits. He's telling us, I want you to be holy like I'm holy. And then he talks about the height thereof was 30 cubits. Well, 3. We're looking at that 30. 3 plus 0 equals 3. We're talking about something being resurrected again. See, every time you see it on the numbers, it's telling you something got to be resurrected. Here, 3. 30 cubits. Something is being resurrected to a greater height. You see? And the height. You see the height? The height of this one. The height represents his glory. Look at 2 Peter 1, 3. Look at 2 Peter 1 3. Second Peter 1 3. Are we there? Look here. According, now we're talking about the height of his glory. Watch what he does. Now when you call somebody to do something, what does that mean? You take you 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 calling them to go forward, right? And up. You're in this case with God. Look what God is doing. He says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Did you see what God said there? He said, according to his divine power, he has given us everything. All things pertaining unto life and to godliness. So why are we tripping? Remember I was telling you about the needs the other day? Why are we going to go to God talking about God I need? It's time for us to grow up and say, well, God, I want. Because he done already said, I give you, I done gave you everything you need according to my riches in glory. See, you're still behind if you're still asking God for what you need. I gave you, you got what you need. Amen. You're calling God a lot, Right? If God said, look, I done supplied you of all your needs according to my riches and glory. If he says here, according as his divine power has given unto us all things. Not some things, but all things. 
pertaining unto life and godliness. Hmm. Why are we tripping? Why are we tripping? I'll tell you why we tripping. Because first of all, we haven't reached that level of faith. And the only way you're going to reach that level of faith is through the building of this temple. Mm -hmm. That's the only way. You're not going to be able to reach this thing. No. Look what he says he did. He we're talking about the height of his glory, right? Watch what he called us to do. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the not What? Through the what? Not Through what we're giving now. Of him that has called us to what? Glory. All right. And virtue. He called us to glory. He's the one that says over here that we got to be resurrected. If he's up here, that means that that's why the 30 cubits is there. It talks about a resurrection because if he's up there, we got to be raised up, right? And if we got to be raised up, what are we being raised up to? Huh? We're being raised up. We're being called to his glory and his virtue. How? Through his knowledge. Making clear? Getting a little clearer? Amen. He's the one that called us to glory and virtue. He's the one that's given us all things that's pertaining to life. And you know what I did? I just decided to accept what he said he gave to me. That's what I decided to do. And when I decided to do that, God said, now I can use you now. I can use you now. Because now you decide. You decide. That's what I've been waiting on to see. It's not always hard, easy to make that decision. The reason why it's not always easy. See, God wants our total deal. And what we have to do, we have to be patient with one another. We have to keep working with one another. We have to keep loving one another until that person reaches that area where they can build their temple and allow their temple to be built just a little bit more because every layer that go of spirituality that goes on that temple, it takes us closer to God's glory. And the closer we get to God's glory, the more we understand because the only way we go up is through his knowledge. That's what he said here, right? right. Talking about the knowledge of God. We're talking about God's knowledge. Let's go back over here to... The book of Kings, six chapter, first Kings, six chapter, verse three. Are we there? Mm -hmm. The Bible says, and the porch. Brenda, I got some prayer requests here. I'm gonna leave it right here. For you to take care of afterwards. And the porch before the temple of the house was twenty cubits was length thereof, according to the breadth of the house, and ten cubits was the breadth. Therefore, before the house, ten cubits. One, unity. You got to be in unity. 20 cubits was the length according to the breadth. You got to be in covenant. Amen. But let's go back up here to this porch. What was the porch? It was before the temple of the house, wasn't it? Yeah. Guess what the porch is? Don't hit me. Don't shout me down either. The porch is your mouth. <laughs> Ain't your mouth before the temple? Yeah. <laughs> you know what that porch means? 
tired tongue. <laughs> I looked it up. Blue means white. Tired tongue. It means tiny tongue. You know what we have to watch for? Didn't I tell you the other day that a man of knowledge speaks fairly? He don't talk too much. He'll study before he. God might say, wait a minute. He might want to, but God said, wait a minute. He might want to, but God said, wait a minute. Now, that's that porch got to be tied. The tongue has to be tied. And what it's got to be tied to? It's got to be tied to the Word of God. So that when we speak, we speak with wisdom and edification. Verse 4 said, For the house, and for the house he made windows of narrow lights. Now look at this. Windows. Did you not know that your eyes is the window to your soul? You can look in a person's eyes and look right into their soul. I know this is good when a sheep is sick up in here. I do. You're looking in the eyes. The eyes are the window to the soul. Remember what I was speaking about just a minute ago? Single-eyed. Remember single-eyed? Focus. Watch God's anointed word. Watch what God says. Go over here to Matthew 6, 22. Now notice that the windows of narrow lights. That means that your eye got to be single. Go over here to Matthew 6.22. See, all I got to do, the Word will reveal the Word. It will reveal what needs to be taught. You just got to know where to go. The Bible says in Matthew 6.22, amen? amen? The light of the body, uh-huh, windows of narrow light. Is the what? Uh-huh. In therefore thine what? Be what? If thine eye be single, focused in, single eye, then the whole body shall be full of light. See, in this temple, we got to be single eye. There's a narrow light. There's a narrow passageway of light, the Bible tells us over here in Kings. It says there are windows of narrow lights. That's a narrow passageway. Not a wide scope, no, single. Single eye. Committed to the cause of building this temple. And look, and against the wall of the house he built, I'm just going down here to verse 9, and against the wall of the house he built chambers round about. Against the walls of the house round about, both of the temple and of the oracle, and he made chambers round about. That word oracle now means Holy of Holies, that's where the Spirit is, that's where the Ark is. The Ark is a representation of the Spirit of God. It's called the innermost sanctuary of God. You've got the outer court, which is the flesh. You've got the inner court, inner court which is the, 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 the soul. And then you've got the innermost court, which is the Holy of Holies, which is where the Spirit lies within us. See, because man is made up of a flesh, a soul, and a spirit. The outer court is the flesh, the inner court is the soul, 
the innermost court is the spirit, okay? I can't get no amen up in here. I amen myself. And the and verse 5 says, and, and against the wall, the leader's wall. This wall is built in a trench. That's what that word wall means there. Now the wall represents a place of protection. But now, remember we laid the foundation. What was the foundation laid on? It was laid on and it was made of a chain of hills, which is a chain of revelatory thoughts, right? Remember in the Bible, in Psalms 10, verse 6, I mean, uh, Psalms uh, 46, verse 4, verse 10, 1, where it talks about there is a river, remember? For the streams thereof make glad the city of God. All right, when we, we build in this temple, and there's this wall, and this wall means that it is built in a trench. You know, have you, who, who have you ever put a foot in? Right, y'all know what I'm talking about. Before you can build a wall, you gotta pull a footing. Okay. That's that trench that that wall is built on. Now, when you make the trench, the footing, what is it? you run something down through it, concrete, right? Okay, well that's the river. That's God's river, it flows. Now, you build a wall. Now we're talking about building a temple inside of us that's holy and acceptable to God. So what happens is, if this river is running through this trench, and we build the wall of our soul, which is the building of the temple, if we build it on it, guess what? That wall soaks up what's flowing through. It soaks it up. So the wall is built from that which is in the river that's flowing in the trench. Are y'all with me? Are you with me on this? Because we're talking about building a spiritual temple here. See, this thing here gets deep up in here, y'all. And what God is doing with the anointing that God has over this house. People, I'm telling y'all, y'all ought to be proud of what God is doing because God is healing people and saving people lives. And that's what this thing is all about, man, you know. And as we grow more and more in the power of God and stuff, then as we build more and more of that temple and stuff, then God can give us more and more because he knows that we're able to understand what it is when he do it and who doing it. I said, who doing it? Right, the Lord. Look at here. And against the wall, we done already detected what the wall is, of the house. Notice what he did against the wall. He built chambers. That word chamber, that means beds. Genesis 2, 7 said, God formed man out of the dust of the ground. That word form there means big. We all know that. That wall that's building that thing, that is building a place of rest. Okay? It's, it's a house being built, a temple. And it's a place of rest. He built it. He built the chambers round about against the walls of the house round about, both of the temple and of the oracle, which is the holy of holies, where you know, the Word of God speaks to us. See, the Word of God speaks to us from the Spirit, from the Holy of Holies. Y'all do understand it, don't you? But there's a resting place in there where God is. That's why He speaks to us, from the oracles. See, He's in there where the oracle is. He is the oracle. He's the one that's speaking to us. Jesus says, 
in this that you will find rest for your soul. Within these oracles is what he's talking about. Now, here's the thing here. Verse 6. I want you to see something here. Now look, he said there are chambers. He built chambers all about this wall. Look here. I'm sure what God do. God gives us free will. God says in verse 6, the nethermost, which is the bottom chamber, was five cubits broad. Remember I told you, man is made of three parts, flesh, soul, spirit. Notice the flesh, five cubits. The nethermost chamber, that's the bottom beam. That's the bottom beam. It's five cubits, right? Five means it's incomplete, right? Ain't nothing incomplete in the flesh. Do you want to lay in that bottom bed, the flesh? But then you got another one here. And the middle was how many? Six, six cubits. Six is the number of man. That's the soul. Watch this. God breathed the breath of life into man, and man became a living what? Soul. Amen. That bottom, that nethermost chamber, that nethermost chamber, which was made up of five cubits in the flesh, that's the flesh. That middle chamber, which was made up of six, is the soul. Ain't that what man is, a living soul? But look at the seventh. And the third, hmm, that's where you're trying to get man to, resurrect him to. Seventh, the perfect will of God. That's where the spirit is. You got it? Now here's the thing. Which bed do you want to lay in? You want to lay in the nethermost one, the bottom, the flesh, or the, the middle one, the emotions, I mean the soul, or do you want to be laying in the bed of the spirit? The third. That's where you want to see. He gives us a free will. See, in this temple, he gives us the free will to lay wherever we want to. But you can bet that he said. Any man defile the temple of God, God himself shall destroy. That's what he said. And it's not what go in a man that defile him, but Jesus said what go out of him, come out of him that defile You see, religious people will tell you what goes in you, but Jesus said it ain't, uh, it's what's coming out of you. That's, what, that's what's going to get you. It's what's coming out of your heart. If anything will destroy you, that'll be it. That'll be the one to get you. Now you can put something in you that'll make something come out of you that's crazy and defile you. <laughs> you can do that. So I better cover that base too. Just in case. Just in case. Don't want to leave no stone unturned. For without, that means outside, verse 6, in the wall of the house, he made narrow rest. Round about. Narrow rich. That means that thing tight. That the beams should not be fastened in the walls of the house. The beams. The support system. Notice. If they're beams, when you look at this, these are beams. They're supported. But he didn't support them in the, in, in the spirit. In the spirit realm, they're not supported. Why? Because of that wall in us. There's a wall to the temple in us. And sometimes the wall in the temple, notice now, the wall is a place of protection. 
The beams is the support system, right? But they're not fastened. They're not fastened for a reason. Because sometimes in our temple, the walls of our temple, we got what we call breaches. Y'all know what a breach is? That's a crack. In other words, we let things in that ought not be come in, see? So what happens is, is that support system called that beam, the reason that he doesn't have it fastened is because when, when, when that, that beam is a spirit, it knows what to do. So what it does is, when it sees us about to kill ourselves by allowing something to come in that ain't got, got no business coming in, see, what it'll do is it will attack that. But see, if it was fastened in one place, it wouldn't be able to move to the place where it need to be. It's just like the body with the red corpuscles and the white corpuscles. I think it's the white are the ones that attack to keep the, the, the deadly diseases off. Because I think I might be right. I'm not a medical doctor, but I think that I might be right on that. But it's some kind of way that these things attack the virus that's in us. So that's what the means are. Those means are not fastened so that when things start to happen in our life that's not conducive to what God wants in our life, what he'll do is he'll send that being to deal with that situation. That's why it's not fasting. Is it clear? That's right. Okay. Look at verse 7. I caught this a long time ago right here. And, it's, and it was a good revelation. He said, and the house, when it was in building, listen now. And the house, when it was in building, it was in the process of being built. Look what was happening. It says that was built of stone, stones of faults, made ready before it was brought thither. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. We better have our mind already made up on what thoughts we need to have when that devil comes. So when that devil comes, and if you ain't got ready that mind, but already, oh, you in trouble. That, the Bible says them stones was already cut and ready to go, didn't it? In other words, we got to do a preemptive strike. We got to already know how we're going to deal with this sucker, because we know he's coming. And how's he coming? He's going to hit us at our weakest point. He, if you're an angry man or an angry woman, that's how he's going to hit you. If you're a drug addict, that's how he's going to hit you. If you're lust, you love lust, that's how he's going to get you. He's going to get you. Well, you know what you like. I know what you like. So I'm going to But if you commit, you can hit back. Ping pong, knock him back. You know? But now, if you got to try to make your mind up on, you can be in a daze, man. Because I, I used to be in a daze. And, you know, I'd sit there and I'd think about something. I ain't got no business thing about it. be. 45 seconds we done went by and I'll be way out there somewhere. No, I ain't never been in that, you know. But I wouldn't even realize that I was there. You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just being real. Now that might not happen. Y'all might be better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Help us all. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, sometimes, you know, but when you have that conscious commitment, see, you can kill that thing. You can cast that thought down before that thing get a root in you. Amen. So the stone, these stones, it tells you that they were already ready. They were already ready before it was brought through. 
So that there was neither hammer nor axe, nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was in building. Yes, sir. That is not a physical building. That is a spiritual building. There are no hammers, no tools, nothing was heard while it was being built. Except God's word. That's all. Say, well, no axe. None of that. Now, if it's a physical building, what he was talking about, then it would, that wouldn't have been there. But he's giving you an indication right there, a spiritual. He was, he, was, he was giving that to the person that could catch that, that, hey, this is all spirit here. This ain't got nothing to do with no physical business. Wasn't no axe, no hammer, none of that was heard. None of that. Not any of it. None of it. Now look here, verse 8. Look at verse 8. Remember we talked about the door? Look at John 10, 9. John 10, 9, Jesus said, I'm the door. <laughs> if any man come in by me, he'll be saved. I think he said. And he'll go out and come in and find pastor. Ain't he going to say something like that? John 10, verse 9. But I know it say, I am the door. I'm the door. Remember when we talked about that door, I said, which side of your door positioned on? Now, what, now, now watch what this word says. Now we know the door is Jesus. So the question is, which side is Jesus on in your soul and in mine? Well, let's look and see. The door for the what? Chamber. And the middle chamber represents where your soul is, right? So Jesus is the door to our soul, right? So that's where the door is, right? Alright, but look. Look which side it's on. Which side is it on? Alright. From your teaching, how many of y'all remember what the right side is? It's the side where we receive from God. So you see, that door, Jesus has to be on the side where we can receive from God. In us. So that's why I asked you earlier, what position is the door in your soul? Where's the door positioned in our soul? Is it on the right side? Or is it on the left side? Because if it's on the left side, then we stand in judgment. We have a dangerous place. And they went up. Look at it. It's on the right side. We know that. Verse 8. And they went up. Mm-hmm. With winding stairs into the what chamber? We talked about a resurrection. And out of the middle chamber, where did it go? So it's being resurrected all the way up top to where God is. You see what he's doing? See what see what God is? He's building that temple. And that temple has to, that temple starts to be built in us and it's resurrected through our soul. Out of our flesh, into and through our soul, because we got to deny our flesh. At some point in time, we got to just cut that off. And that thing will go to building, and it'll go all the way, that temple will go all the way into the third chamber where the oracle of God is, where God can speak to us. That's why it's so vital that we build this temple. That's why, that's why God is doing what he's doing and, and teaching what he's teaching. Because he, it's, his, it's his church. He, he, he know what he want for. 
All I can do is stand here and give it to you. And whatever we do with it, that's up to us, but I'm trying to receive this thing. And last but not least, so he built, verse 9, the house. Talking about the description. And finished it. And covered, which was he hid the spirit in it, the entity. He covered the house with beams and boards of cedar. Now what this means is that he covered the house. And he, meaning that he hid this spiritual entity inside of us with a way. Y'all remember Jesus said that if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again, but it'll be like a well springing up into everlasting life. There's a well inside of our belly that springs up. Well, that well is regulated from our deep roots of praise. So that's what that word means. With beams, that has covered the house with beams and boards of cedar. The beams and the boards of cedar mean, see, the cedar represents the deep roots of praise. The beams represents the well that flows up. The boards represents the regulatory aspect of it. So this well, this spiritual well in us is regulated from our deep roots of praise. So the more we praise God, the deeper our roots become. The deeper our roots become, the more the well of God flows in us. And what that does is, is that waters this garden, that temple, with the blessings of God. So you see, there's a power source being displayed here. So as we praise God more and more, and as this thing, this root becomes, and we become more and more committed to God, you see, because I told y'all today, remember, they raised the levy, and the levy was, was did that word levy meant discomfort? It meant it takes us out of our discomfort zone, it takes us into things that we don't want to do, you know? But, you know, it, it, don't, it has to come to a point in our life where we, we just have to be always so loud. We're either going to be sold out or no sale. It's going to be one or the other. Because God ain't going to carry with us there. At some point in time, there's got to be enough fear. God's going to bring a fear on this land. I mean, a heavy fear on this land, you know. And, and, and first, he's going to bring it on his people. That's the first thing he's going to do. God's going to start hurting some of his folk. And you see, that's the scary part about it. That's what I'm scared of. That's what I'm afraid of. It's what God is about to do. That's scaring me. I'm praying for y'all day and night, and I know my intercessors are praying for y'all day and night, but I'm getting a little afraid of some things now. Not so much for my sake. I'm okay. I'm all right, because I got sense enough to do what I need to do. And the first thing I do is I holler, oh Lord, if I've sinned, please forgive me and help me. Strengthen me. Help me to do, do, do my job. Help me. Do what's right. Help me to do what's right. Because I care about doing what's right. So the more I learn about God, the better I get. The better I get, the better I try to help others to get better. But like I told about in Atlanta, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. For the body of Christ. I'm afraid. Because God says in his word, my spirit's not going to always strive with man. I bless it, he play on me. I bless it, he play on me. I've done it. I know that ain't good. God will hurt us. 
And I stand now in the fear of God. Because I understand a little bit more now about how serious this thing is, especially from my position as a pastor. See, it's easy for you to pass judgment on me. But get in the pot. See how it is. Yeah. You get in. <laughs> Try. All kinds of things come at you. And people too. And you gotta learn how to deal with that and love in spite of it. You do. Because you ain't gonna be nowhere if you don't know how to love. This thing's all I love. You can't get nowhere without love. So what God is trying to tell us is that He wants us to see what this thing is supposed to look like. Now Romans 17 8 tells us, 7.18 tells us that. I know that there's no good thing in the flesh. I'm back up here, verse 6. I'm finished off. But he says, I know that there's no good thing in my flesh. Don't no good thing dwell in there. So I definitely don't want to make my bed there. I definitely don't want to do that. Well, God has been good to all of us. And God is going to continue to be good to us. But are we going to be good to ourselves? Because one thing I know about a blessing, a blessing comes with two sides to it. It's got a blessing on one side, it's got a curse on the other, and then it's got the instructions to the blessing. Okay, this is what you do with this blessing. Now, if you do this, you'll be blessed. But if you do this, you'll be cursed. So what will make you laugh or make you cry? So we have to be careful. And, and as God is doing more and more and more, especially under this anointing and teachings that we're getting now with the building of this temple, as we go deeper and higher in praise, God is releasing a greater anointing on us and a greater power, a greater flowing of his blessing are coming forth. So what we're going to have to do, and then I'm quitting, what we're going to have to come to the understanding of what we possess in our hands from God. You see, as a pastor, I'm possessing people's souls. So I'm scared to death. I am. That's why sometimes I, I ruin Because it's scary. Because you see, I got to meet somebody one day about this situation. You see, you don't have to meet them. I do. You have to meet them for yourself. But I have to meet them for me and for you. That's a big burden on me. This is what I have to live with every night. When I lay down and talk to God. So you, you don't have to do that. But I do. Because after he finished with me, then he's going to finish with me about you. But I love you. And I want you to keep growing in God's grace. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all, all understanding, may it continue to bless you and keep you and guide you in the way that you Y'all just got a hand clap for me. Come on down, please. Amen.